attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. Nation. Welcome back to The Conversation. It is the Thrive Time Show on your radio. And I could not be any more excited to be with you on this sanctimonious, on this glorious Wednesday than, than, I, could, than I am right now. Because we have two incredible guests. We have two guests that have traveled here all the way from Owensboro, Kentucky to be on the on the show with you. And it's Pastor Brian Gibson and Pastor Jesse Gibson. How, Pastor Brian, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's actually our kids' spring break. So, oh. you, you know, the greatest spring break spot in the world is Tulsa. People flock here from all over the all over the nation. It's a, it's a tourism trap, really. It really? is. It's incredible. When you guys drive, who drives uh, when you, because you guys decided to drive this time. So who, who typically is the driver and then the family here? Jesse, tell him who it is. Uh, he's the only driver because he can't not scream if you drive. So I don't drive <laughs> because I've had about... Uh, Maybe ten Rex trying to drive him, and then he wakes up and screams and tries to put us in an accident. Wow! So, so is your move to sleep while he drives, or do you guys have like a stimulating debates? Do you guys well, typically debate like hard to solve mysteries of the universe, or do you do you do a politics? He or what calls you, me Yellow Dog. Yellow Dog. You remember Yellow Dog from uh, Chevy Chase's movie The Funny Farm? Uh yes, I love <laughs> I love Chevy Chase. He He's, slept through the whole show, right? Even when right. his tail was on fire. Jesse does the same thing in the car. That's me. And That's the only move. time that I can sleep is when I'm driving. I can't sleep when you're driving because I'm nice. terrified. Right. I can't sleep while I am. But I do wake up always thinking Jesse is going to kill us. And I'll wake up screaming, Clay, a lot. My wife doesn't like it when I scream like we're uh, having pending doom and near death right in front of us. So right, We right. just have a system. Well, what we're talking about today is determining the average weekly donations per person. Now, if you're listening and you own a business... This could uh, uh, be parallel uh, with the idea of determining how much revenue you can bring in per customer. Now, in the world of churches, um, I'm sure you don't look out of your congregation and envision people with, oh, well, that's that's 50 people, and each one of those people, I look at his forehead, and I think 13 is the average. But at some point, you have to pragmatically pay the electrical bill. You have to. And so how do you... What is the average uh, donation per person? How do you figure this out? I mean, you've been in ministry forever. You started with nothing. So how do you do it? How do you do that? Well, let me let me answer this first. Um, uh, first of all, pastors don't get into ministry for money. You know, what? some people begin to think like all the church wants is their money and they get that kind of mentality. And I'll say this. I've never seen anybody walk into a Walmart and say all this Walmart wants is my money right. uh, because that's all they want. I've never seen anybody walk to a bar and say, all this bar wants is my money. But people say that at the church, and I believe it's because there's something that's trying to keep them away from the church. Mm. See, I believe that there is a world out there that has good and evil in it, and I believe that God is real and is trying to help people, and there's an evil force that tries to push them away. I'll say in all of our time in ministry, I've met very few guys in ministry that all they cared about was money. Most of them are, are well intention people who love people they are people they're not perfect but most of those guys aren't businessmen they have a genuine love for um the church for sheep for lost people so they go into ministry and money's not their focus i mean i i, I walked off uh from a big family business when i was a kid that that i had every opportunity in the world 
to knock it out of the park. Yeah. But the call of God matters more to me than money. So you say all that just to let everybody know, hey, that that's the play. So I'm going to throw out this idea. If if you you don't focus on the money, true. Right. But if somebody's not in your organization focusing on the money, now the church has weird a weird situation. That's the other side of the coin. Right. And that's the business side of the coin. And that's why uh, Thrive Time, Clay Clark, yeah. his coaches are so good at taking guys that are just focused on the spiritual by nature. And they help you look at the business side. So so here's how it works. He was talking about uh, in the business world, Clay and Dr. Z will talk about a break-even number. All right, what, what, do, I, what do I have to sell? How many customers at right. what price makes us solvent and makes us profitable if you were in the business world? When the church, I know this, that there's some generalizations, there's some broad sweeping numbers. If you have a church, um, let's say of 100 people, and you're in an inner city environment. Okay, nice. There's less money in an inner city environment than there will be in the new suburbs what? outside of the city. What? Yeah, it's a, it's a different market, right? Okay. It's a totally different world. So a lot of times in those inner city churches, every person, kid, grandma, mama, daddy, through the doors, average donation will be 5 to $8 a lot of times. Okay, so and if I'm in uh, maybe a younger church, kind of like a up-and-coming church, maybe a suburban church, uh, Pastor Jesse, I mean, can I count on like $20 a person? Or how much, if, if I'm out there and I'm listening and I'm a pastor, how much can I kind of count on a... You know, like early whippersnappers, early 20s. About $20 a head per person per week is uh, what you're looking at whenever you have a donor for that. Um, so you, you have to... Now, what if it's an established church, uh, Jesse, where you have people who are going to the church that all have a job? This is one thing I found as a business owner. This is awesome. When anybody on my team gets married, I celebrate financially. <laughs> so I know that you as ministers and, and pa- pa- pastors, you don't think about the money. But in business, literally all I think about is my three Ps. I think about making a, a great product that I'm proud to sell my mom or a service where my mom could say, my son is involved with that business. If my mom wouldn't feel good about it, I won't do it. There you go. Second is I want to make sure that the people who work there are, are, are fun to work with. <laughs> Because you're worth them a lot. And the third is I want to make sure it makes a profit of 20% or more. So when someone gets married in my office, I think, yes, now they're going to have a baby. And I'm always like, do you have a baby yet? They go, no, we just got married last week. Do you have a baby soon? Are you, is she pregnant? <laughs> Please have a because baby. Because as soon as they get married, their productivity increases dramatically. Oh, and when the child gets here, yeah. So <laughs> I just want to ask if you're working with an established congregation where the members are late 30s and 40s, uh, they all have jobs. Obviously, they're earning more. Um, how much of a donation per person could you count on if you had to budget based on that? Well, let's say if you get all the way up, like to uh, let's We're say the generational churches, where you're the grandma, the mom, the kids, yes. everybody's going. First there. Baptist uh, or the biggest Methodist church downtown, right, Jess? Yeah, it's going to be forty to sixty dollars a person through the door. So these people are established, they're generational families, a lot of times they have deep roots in the community, Yeah, that there's more money flowing in that ministry. Like there's a church in our town, they say it could operate and be solvent, one of those kind of kind of churches can operate solvent, so much money they could operate for 30 years now without one more donation. Not one more. Uh, that's uh, true with uh, Harvard University, I've seen that, there's a church down in Dallas that I'm very aware of, that they, they have real estate holdings that they never have to get another donation. Prestonwood, huh? Yeah, and so if you're listening here, and you, let's say that you are a, a pastor listening to the show, and you have new people attending, this is what I've seen, you tell me if I'm wrong, 
I've seen if you have a new business, uh, typically like like Amazon, it took Amazon nine years to make their first profit. It took Facebook after three years. Facebook lost three point six million dollars. Um, if you think about uh, uh, FedEx, it took FedEx almost a decade to make a profit. Uh, ESPN, it took him 13 years to make a profit. Albert Einstein uh, really didn't ever focus on profit. and His ideas didn't come to fruition for years. So in the entrepreneurial world, I get how long it takes. Now, when someone comes into the church for the first time and they visit you one time, usually right typically after a breakdown is what I've discovered. This is just sure. my take on it. It's like <laughs> right happens. before the funeral, I need to go to church. Right after my kid gets on the drugs, I go, oh, I should probably find a church home. It's gets right. on the drugs. I the like drugs. that. He was taking the pot. He, he was taking the pot. Right, right previous to the divorce. It's like, you know, we probably need counseling. There's always that right before the, right after the breakdown, there's the breakthrough. So if yeah. I'm going to your door, and I'm uh, very few people in the, in the world are proactive, but if I'm, if I'm going through your doors for the first time, how long do you typically, how long does it take before you typically see a donation of any kind from a new person? One that's recorded, I would say, anywhere from six months to a year. Why? Uh, they say that your heart gets, uh, that you give God your heart, then you give him your mind, and last but not least, you give him your wallet. I think people, it's just the order that they come to Jesus in. And uh, and you so, can't really change the, traditionally, you can't, I think for the pastors listening, it's important you don't try to change, uh, I mean, do your best, but it's hard to change the way people for hundreds of years have done church. I mean, it's hard to get into the mind of a new congregation member and just beat them over the head with, hey, please donate something. Come on. Oh, yeah. it's uh, It takes time for people to learn that. Uh, there are some people that were raised in that culture. Like the first time I can remember seeing money as a child, my mother was putting it in my hand, and she was telling me to give it in Sunday school class when I was a little boy in, in church. So there are some people that just know to do that, and there's other people that they think the church just exists like an angel shows up with a bag of money and drops it at the front door on Monday morning to pay the bills for that week. So it's going to take time. Everything in the kingdom of God takes time. Everything worth having in life takes time. Training children takes time. It's the renewal of the mind. Romans 12, 2, we, we teach it all the time. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. All right, don't just be like everybody else, but you want to be transformed. You want to have a transformational process by the renewing of your mind and I'm still getting my re my mind renewed every day I'm a pastor there's still things I need to learn there's still some uh, stinking thinking I hate to use something that's thrown around forever but people have to change the way they think and so do I it's a process I think that there's somebody listening that here needs to hear this notable quote well, this is from Bill Gates who says knowing your numbers is a fundamental precept of business I would also say knowing your numbers is a fundamental precept of running a church and so I want to get your take on this pastor Jesse because I know there's somebody listening who's a pastor and you have a youth group and you really want to do something great for the youth group you want to take them on a missions trip to, let's say, Mexico, or you want to build a basketball court out there behind the church for the kids to hang out. You, you, you want to build a coffee bar. You want to build, there's a lot of visions you have. Can you talk to me about how you, as a pastor, how you've balanced all these things you want to do for your congregation members and the actual practical side of, we're going to have to pay for that somehow. How do you balance that? How do you do that? Well, I think um, for us, it was learning to be reasonable. You know, we had come from churches of uh, 
maybe even a thousand. Then we moved to another city. We worked in a church of four thousand. We had attended a church of twelve thousand while we were in college. Wow. So in these gigantic um, places, and then we go. My last youth group that I uh, that I was youth pastor in before we moved to Owensboro, uh, my youth group was about five hundred kids, and then we move, and I had six students in that youth ministry. You know, so bringing we thought at the very first week that it should be a thousand people, but really allowing our mind to say, yes, this is the vision. This is where we want to go. But today we have to do what is in the budget. Today there are 12 people. Today there are 12 people. And we are going to, we had nine buildings in five five years because we would get the building we could afford. And then we would allow God to grow until we busted out of it. Pastor Brian, I want to ask you about knowing your fixed expenses. How important is it for you to know your fixed expenses, you know, your your lease, your phone. I mean, do you, is this something that you did? Because I think a lot of people get in the ministry not because they're accountants. How important is it for all the pastors out there listening to know these things? Oh, it's it's massive for them to know their fixed costs, the expenses, because those bills are coming. Here I they promise come. you, taxes are coming, death is coming, what? and the bills are coming with amazing regularity once a month. Right? right. It's going to show amazing up. Regularity. Uh, amazing regularity. Amazing regularity. You're going to you're gonna have to pay that rent or that mortgage. So you've got to know the costs on what you have, so you can project what you have to have and what you can do in the future. It's it's really budgeting. So I got to know what my mortgage payment's going to be. I have to know all of my building costs. I have to know my staff expenses. I have to know what I have left to run my programs. And to support missions, I have to have a plan. And as a Thrive Coaching client, for typically with almost every client, we have to take, we obviously have a weekly coaching meeting, but in addition to that, we usually have to take four or five hours one time when someone flies in for the workshop to sit down and get their finances straightened out. And it takes all of four or five hours to sort that out. It really is because most people have never done a deep dive and really looked at their fixed expenses and their variable expenses. But when we come back, we're going to talk about as a pastor, you have a busy, busy schedule, but how do you set boundaries so you can stay happily married while also running a growing and thriving organization and church. Stay tuned. Attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. Greetings, Thrive Nation. My name is Clay Clark. I'm the former USSBA Entrepreneur of the Year, a member of the Forbes Business Coach Council, and basically I run around pontificating on how you can grow a successful company, and then every time someone argues with me, I just say, why don't you go visit the optometry clinic? Why don't you just see how that works, and then there we go. Or why don't you just go to the auto auction, or why don't you just go to the haircut facility, or why don't you go... And the thing is, I'm not good at a lot of things. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. I will list them real quick. Um, Sports, uh, elongated conversations that don't involve action steps, um, watching any kind of movie at all, uh, traveling, um, not traveling, just really life outside of business. But business is the one thing I do very, very well. And one thing I like to do is surround myself with people who are experts in their given areas, people that really know their stuff. So when I uh, have an accounting question, shocking, I call Paul Hood. And Paul Hood is a CPA. He has thousands of clients. He's probably right and I'm probably wrong. Whenever I have a difficult question about uh, legal issues, I call Winters and King because Winters and King represents Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Apparently, I've tricked them into representing me, but they represent all the, you know, Joyce Myers. I mean, these are 
the who's who of what they do. And it's so much, it, it, it proves, it turns out over time, it actually costs more money to be cheap. You know, so as an example, a friend of mine recently went on a cruise and uh, they, they told me, this is probably, I guess I'm old enough to say the other day, but it was about, what, a year and a half ago. So I guess it's, it's a, a verified 18 months ago. A friend of mine, he says, I went on a cruise. I said, how was it? He said, it was terrible. I said, uh, well, why was it terrible? He says, well, it was the cheapest thing I could get. So again, it just it turns out whenever you're cheap, sometimes think life gets expensive. So I brought on the show today Pastor Brian and Pastor Jesse, who've traveled all the way from Owensboro, uh, Kentucky. They have a church of uh, north of a thousand people that attend. Some weeks a little less, some weeks a little more, but they're breaking down accounting from a church perspective. So if you're listening right now and your church has, I don't know, less than a thousand people, I would encourage you to take a lot of notes. If your church has more than a thousand people, I'd encourage you to think about, does this apply to me? Because I bet you it does. So you're talking about this principle, Pastor Brian, about 30, 30, 10. What does that mean? Yes, it's uh, it's something that pastors have, have taught for years. People have slight variations to this Um depending on who they are, where they're from, their camp. But this is a general rule. If you are starting a church or let's say you're, you're at, a lot of churches get hung at 200. 200 is a place where it feels family, but it's not really growing and flowing yet. And to break through there, you're going to have to start to learn some stuff, especially about budgeting. And here's one of the tools we learned that, that I think has helped us uh, at times throughout, throughout the path. And, and that is you want to have 30% on your facilities. You look at your total budget, so 30% on your facilities. Now, I'm going to give you some wiggle room because there's times when you're starting a church, Clay, or a business when I do believe you have to go all in. I, I don't want to live as a gambler. I don't know there's ever a time where you don't have to go all in. <laughs> That's a good way to say And it. I'm not uh, a, a pastor, and, and frankly, um, I have a great admiration for what you guys do, but I, I would just say... Uh, Dr. Z says you have to be the pig at breakfast. Uh, what means means you have to commit your whole life to the breakfast process, not just to give an egg. So you guys are all in. So you can speak from experience because I know that you guys started a church with nobody right. in a town you had never really been to very much. Right. So you're all in. So well, 30% you're, with some wiggle you're room. You're all in with your life. I I'm talking generalization. You're going to want 30% on your facilities. I'm talking mortgage juice, that kind of thing. 30% of budget. Okay. Okay. Then I'm going to go 30% on my staffing. So I, I got 30% that pays for my people, my staff, people that are doing life with me and helping push the ball so down. 30% the of your costs should be spent on your facilities. 30% of your costs should be spent on your staffing. Right now. Now, and, and you got to think about this, your staff are also a part of the ministry because they are ministers. They're bringing life to your people. Okay, got it. People don't like spending money when they see on employees in the church world, but they don't understand they're the people carrying the mission. You have to invest in them. All right, the next third is going to be on your programs of your church, the day-to-day -day life of the church, kids ministry, youth ministry, music ministry, AV, all of that, the other third. Also, uh, I, you want to have some missions in there. So I would have, I have I would have missions in there, outreach. That's in the other third, and then you have ten percent that you should be saving. Uh, now I'll say this: I've violated all these principles at one time or another. So don't come and nail me down, because here's the deal: we're talking about going all in. There were times Jesse remembers. If you've got a facility that you can't get your people in, and you're running multiple services, and you get over to non-primary church-going times. Yeah. It, once you're full, you are stuck. And I want to I want to bring this up real quick because this is stuff I'm just as I'm processing what you're saying here, and I want to talk about it during the next segment as well because I think there's somebody out there that needs to get this idea. Pastor Jesse, I mean, you you speak in front of a church of people, 
Yes. And you, people do judge you based upon how you guys look. Sure. So if you guys looked like you, you know, hadn't had your hair cut in like a, a, you know, a while, it was more like you had a volunteer say, hey, I've got some new scissors. Do you want to, you know, we're trying to be frugal here. So you, how you appear, you have to spend a little bit of money on that, I would, I would think. Matters. And I know there's a lot of, because I work with Winners and King, the attorneys who represent Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes, and I know a lot of pastors struggle with the concept of pastoral compensation. Because you hear these stories that are on 2020, they're always trying to nail the pastor for paying themselves too much. And there are historic examples of people that have donated you know, very little to the church and spent a lot on themselves. That's not the average, but that's the rare. They, well, of course, we like to run stories about the rare, you know, the, the, the extremes. But how do you determine what you pay yourself? I mean, does that fit into that 30% or how do you, how do, you do that? Well, uh, it, it is included in the 30% that he was talking about that goes for staffing. But the way that we handle that is um, have someone come in and do an estimation of uh, what what is going on in our church, what size we are, what kind of town we are, um, what our budget is, and they can give you a professional opinion as to what that salary should be, make a recommendation to the board. The board, um, it, it, the compensation is set through that process, and then you're paid um, in that way. Because I've seen a lot of, of pastors' wives and pastors and female pastors, male pastors, that don't pay themselves anything at all and they feel really, really terrible about asking for anything. As a general rule, how do you do that? How do you set your pastoral compensation? I mean, what's is there? A, is there a number? Is it one percent? Is it three percent? Is it zero percent? Because again, I've seen pastors rolling up to churches, and again, it's rare. But I've seen pastors that are spending a ton of money, and I've heard people in the church say, "Man, this guy is." He, I wish I was a pastor. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, boy. If it, no, you do not. Yeah, let me let me 90%, promise you. Ninety percent of pastors are underpaying themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's somebody listening out there that goes, I don't know what I should pay myself. How yeah. Do you do that? Well, okay. N- number one, Jesse hit on it, and that is they call it a compensation study. Winners and King, who uh, is on here, some of the, some of their guys yeah. are on here. Yeah, well, uh, Wes is on here every Tuesday. You'll probably see him today. These guys are ministry specialists, and they know how to run a compensation study for you. Also, there are compensation handbooks. Uh, it's like the handbook of ministers compensation. It's published every year or two. It'll show you averages on your geographical region, the size of church you are, the amount of money the church brings in. So you can get a feel. A lot of these people don't know what the market value is, right? Any job has a market value. And so pastors are the, are the same way. When we come back from the break, I want to get more into the market value of pastors, what to pay yourself, what not to. I know there's a pastor listening right now that is, you're living with your mom. I mean, you're living with your mom. She's a great lady. And I realize <laughs> you're living below your means, but I want to balance frugality, practicality. How much should you pay yourself as a pastor? Stay tuned.